Good day, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Live with Doug. My name is Doug, and we are live on YouTube, Facebook, and Twitter, Thinking Through God's Word. Glad you could join us. Uh, for those who asked yesterday, um, that uh, the the uh, bumper music I've been playing the last couple days, that's from a, an EP that Cross to Crown produced several years ago called You Are Exalted, uh, and that is my niece singing the, uh, the lead vocals. She's uh, got a lovely voice, don't you think? Anyway, if you're interested in listening to, uh, to that uh, EP, you can find that anywhere you listen to music. Look up uh, You Are Exalted or Cross to Crown, I think is the artist listed there. And of course, I also play a lot of my son's music, so if you uh, catch us early for these broadcasts, you will hear typically either my son or um, my uh, our, the Cross the Crown album. So glad you're with us. One more thing to uh, say by way of uh, introduction. If you are interested in our New Covenant School of Theology Prophets course, which is coming up starting April 18th, I believe it is, uh, you can go to newcovenantschooloftheology.org Click on apply, send us your application, and uh, we'd love to have you join us for that. If you're not familiar with NCST, uh, we do block course block courses uh, four weeks, Monday, Tuesday nights on Zoom, so you can catch us uh, online there. Anyway, I'll put a link to the uh, website in the uh, description when we get done. All right, so we are continuing looking at uh, the spirit and the flesh, two realms. We spent a lot of time in Romans, now we're in Galatians. And we are working our way toward this battle that Paul says is happening in Galatians 5, the battle between the flesh and the spirit. And I'm trying to show you that that is not a battle that rages within a Christian, but it is a battle that is between the realm of the law and the realm of the spirit. The law, flesh on one hand, Life in the Spirit, the New Covenant, and the other. So, uh, let's go to Galatians 5 and uh, pick up in verse 1 as we did yesterday. And then we'll uh, we'll go back and, and follow on from where we left off in chapter 3. But this is where it's heading, this, this statement here in chapter 5. Paul says, It was for freedom that Christ set us free. In the Greek, the emphasis is on Christ set us free. That's the the main subject and verb of the sentence. Christ, the Messiah, freed us. Right? He he wants these Galatians who were not from a Jewish background, they were from a pagan background and that'll be important as we go. He wanted them to understand Christ freed us. And if you remember the us in Galatians is us who are Jews or formerly Jews. The you, the pronoun you in Galatians is you Galatians, you pagans who are now Christians. So Christ freed us Jews. For what purpose? For freedom. To freedom, he says. And notice his concern. Keep standing firm. And that's a Implied there is the you. You keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery. The word again implies that they were slaves. You see that? Keep standing firm. Do not be subject again like you were before. To what were these Galatians enslaved before? Well, we'll see that in a few minutes. But I want you to see this is his concern. Christ came to free us. There's something that they might do, something Paul is afraid they are doing, 
that will entangle them again in slavery. In fact, he calls it a yoke of slavery. This this heavy uh, wooden bar that would weigh down two oxen and, and lock them together. If you know what a yoke is, uh, lock the two oxen together and it was heavy and they had no freedom. They had to go together wherever the, the, the master sent them kind of thing. Paul is concerned that these Christians are going to submit themselves again to this heavy burden of slavery. What is that burden he's concerned about? A little later in verse 13, he says this, For you were called to freedom, brothers. See, the same emphasis. You're free. You're called to freedom. God calls you out of slavery to freedom. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. Right here. He's concerned they're going to be weighed down with this yoke of slavery to the flesh. And what most Christians have been told is that flesh is sinful nature. And he doesn't want us to be weighed down with our sin. So don't sow to your flesh, sow to your spirit or the Holy Spirit in you kind of thing. That's not what he's getting at. Flesh, in the book of Galatians... In most cases, there are exceptions, and we saw some of those yesterday. But in this context, along here in chapters 3 and 4 and 5 and 6, flesh is usually describing circumcision as the symbol that bound the Jews to the law. So when he says you are called to freedom and he's concerned about slavery, what he's concerned is that they're going to use their freedom then and give an opportunity for the Jews to bring these Galatians into the flesh, meaning circumcise them and submit them to the law. Let me show you what he says in chapter 6 as he begins to wrap up this letter. Those who desire to make a good showing in the flesh, circumcision, try to tell, compel you to be circumcised. See that? See the connection between flesh and circumcision? Because if you look back at Genesis 17, the command is to Abraham, you must circumcise your boys in the, in the foreskin of their flesh. This constant connection between flesh and circumcision. Those who desire to make a good showing in the flesh try to compel you to be circumcised simply so they will not be persecuted for the cross of Christ. The Jews are persecuting Christians. And if these men can get these Galatians to be circumcised, the Jews will stop persecuting them. For those who are circumcised do not even keep the law themselves, but they desire to have you circumcised so that they may boast in your flesh. Do you see the connection? Flesh, circumcision. Flesh, circumcision, law. And then he says, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision is anything but a new creation. So again, I just want you to see this regular uh, connection here in the book of Galatians between circumcision, flesh, law. So when you think flesh, think circumcision and the law. All right, so back to where we left off yesterday, Galatians chapter 3, verse 1. And if you were with us, we, we got the backdrop leading up to this. So Paul says, you foolish Galatians. And remember, we talked about how that's that's a strong term. He is he is 
pulling out some of the big guns uh, to really rebuke harshly these Galatians. You are fools. Who has bewitched you? Someone put a spell on you. You've been bewitched. You've been tricked. There's a sorcerer among you. It must be the case because you saw Jesus crucified and you know better. This is the only thing I want to find out from you. Did you receive the Spirit by works of the law or by hearing of faith or hearing with faith? I just have this question, this one question he says for you. You received the Spirit. Look what he says down here in verse 5. He who provides the Spirit and works miracles among you. So clearly what Paul's saying is, you Galatians, the Spirit of God came upon you. Remember Acts 2.38? Peter uh, preaches the first sermon there in Acts, and he says to Israel, repent, be baptized, and you will receive forgiveness of sins, and you will receive the Holy Spirit. This is the promise for you. Uh, for your children, if they believe and repent and are baptized, they'll receive the Spirit. And all who are far off, as many as the Lord will call to himself. So these Galatians, God called them. And they repented of their sin. And they were baptized into Christ. And they received the Spirit. And the Spirit was showing up, doing amazing things. He was performing miracles in their midst. So they had all these signs, all these miraculous works, showing the Spirit was in them and among them and doing things. And so Paul is asking them, he's calling them to remember when the Spirit showed up. And he says, did you receive that Spirit by works of the law? Now remember, these Galatians were pagans. They didn't grow up under Moses. They didn't grow up as Jews. They were worshiping false gods. They heard the gospel. They believed the Spirit showed up and started doing all these miracles. It wasn't because they were keeping the law. They didn't know anything about the law of Moses at this point. All they knew is about Jesus. And yet the Spirit is working his miracles. Paul says, did you receive that spirit by works of the law? No, of course not. They received the spirit when they believed, by hearing with faith when they believed. Are you so foolish? Having begun by the spirit, are you now being perfected by the flesh? Do you see the connection between the flesh and the law in these two verses? This is not sinful nature. He's not saying, having begun by the Spirit, are you now going to be perfected by a sinful nature? He's not saying simply by human works. He's tying the flesh to the law. Can you see that? Are you going to be circumcised in the flesh, which is what the, the Jews want for you, and you began by faith and the Spirit, and now you're going to be circumcised in the flesh. You're going to try to keep the law, and you're going to pursue pleasing God now in that vein? He says, that is utterly foolish. Why would you do that? Now, I want to say one more thing to my Reformed brothers who are listening. What the Reformed folks do with this whole passage is say that Paul is focusing here on justification. Because Paul's going to go on and say, we're not under the law anymore. And all the reform guys say, yes, that's true. We're, under, we're not under the law for justification. All he's concerned about is justification. We are under the Ten Commandments for sanctification, they would say. Right? So we get started by faith alone, not by works of the law. And you can't be justified by the law, only by faith. That's how we get started in our Christian journey. But how do we grow? How do we, how do we get sanctified? How do we make it to the end of our journey? We do that by keeping the Ten Commandments. 
Well, look at what Paul said. Having begun by the Spirit, by faith and justification, are you now going to be perfected? Are you going to be matured? Are you going to reach the end goal, which is what the word means here, by the flesh, by keeping the law, by keeping the Ten Commandments? No. No, this is not, he's not making a sharp distinction between justification and sanctification. He's saying it's all or nothing. Everything is of faith and in the Spirit, or it's by the law. Those are the only options. So, some of you know exactly who I'm poking at here. For some of you, that may not mean too much. All right. One more statement, verse 5. So then, he who provides you with the Spirit and works miracles among you, does, does he do it by the works of the law or hearing of faith? And obviously, the answer is hearing of faith. So, these two realms, law, flesh, works, or faith, and spirit. Those are the two realms. Which one is it? So then he goes on in the, in the rest of chapter three and uh, this next section, and it's this, uh, it's a, it's a kind of a complex, but really, really great uh, description of God justifying Abraham by faith. Abraham, the father of the Jews, he was not declared righteous by the law because the law would come 430 years later. The law didn't exist yet. So he wasn't declared righteous by keeping the law. He was declared righteous by faith. And remember the promises that God gave to Abraham. All the nations of the earth will be blessed in you and your seed. Huge promise. Worldwide cosmic promises to Abraham. And Abraham believed him. And God declared him righteous because he believed so you've got this promise hanging out there to Abraham that he's going to be the father of many nations and kings are going to come from him and the whole world is going to be blessed in his offspring. And so Paul is pounding home that those promises are to Abraham, to Abraham by faith, has nothing to do with the law. Because again, the law is four and a half centuries coming later. Which raises the question, why the law? So he begins to ask that question. If you were with us earlier, the same question was asked in Romans. What was the purpose of the law? Remember in Romans, he started with Adam and got to Christ. What's the purpose of the law? It was to increase sin. Here he starts with Abraham to get to Christ. He says, okay, then what about the law? Verse 17. What I'm saying is this. The law, which came 430 years later, after the promises to Abraham, does not invalidate a covenant previously ratified by God so as to nullify the promise. So whatever promises God made to Abraham about the whole world being blessed because of him and the seed who's coming, whatever promises God made to Abraham, this covenant that comes later, the law, does not invalidate the covenant made to Abraham. So whatever happens after Abraham, when God makes his promise to Abraham, whatever comes next cannot change the promises made to Abraham. So the law did not change anything about the promises to Abraham. Why the law then? Why even give the law, God? If you're going to fulfill your promises to Abraham through Christ, why even give the law? Here's why. It was added because of transgressions. You hear the echoes of Romans? Five and seven here, it was added because of transgressions. Having been ordained through angels, and that's kind of a, a mystery thing, and uh, Acts 7 talks about this too. Apparently, angels were involved in the giving of the law. We're not given much information about that. By the agency of a mediator, that's Moses, 
until. The law was given until. There's an end coming for the law. The law was given until the seed would come to whom the promise had been made. Who's the seed? It's Christ. He said this back here in verse 16. Now, the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. He does not say seeds, referring to many, but to your seed, that is Messiah. Christ, Jesus, is the seed who is the fulfillment of all the promises made to Abraham. The law came, whoop, went too far. Um, the where do I go? Oh, <laughs> the law came until the seed Christ would come to whom the promises were made. Is the law contrary to the promises? Are they against one another? Promises to Abraham, seed, Christ? No, may it never be. For if a law had been given, which was able to impart life, then righteousness would be indeed based on the law. Do you hear the echoes here? Do you hear the same thing as Romans 7? The law wanted to give life, but it couldn't. Why? Because the Jews were sinners. But the scripture has shut up everyone under sin. Everybody's a sinner. Jews and Gentiles, all are enslaved to sin. That's what he's getting at. Same thing as Romans 6, 7, and 8. So that the promise by faith in Jesus, the Messiah, might be given to those who believe. Why the law? Because of transgressions. To shut the Jews up in slavery to sin. The Gentiles, the pagans, were already enslaved to sin. Nobody needs to prove that. Everybody knew that. But the Jews were also enslaved to sin, and the law imprisoned them in sin, just like we saw in Romans 7. But before faith came, referring to the time of Christ, we, Jews, were in custody under the law. The law kept the Jews in custody, a guardian, a prison warden kind of thing being shut up to the faith which was later to be revealed. Therefore, the law has become our tutor. Now, tutor is not a great translation because we think of tutor as a teacher, right? If you have a uh, son who's not doing well in math, you might hire a tutor to come help them learn math. But uh, that's not really the point here. This is the Greek word pedagogue, and the pedagogue in antiquity was a guardian, uh, they did some teaching, but more importantly, they were the disciplinarian. They were making sure that the son, the child, would obey the rules, and they had uh, had their stick, and they would wrap the uh, student on the hands if they weren't paying attention to the teacher. So the student would be there listening to the instructor, the teacher, and the, the pedagogue would lead the student back and forth between home and, and the schoolroom and that kind of thing and discipline the child when they got out of line. So think guardian, disciplinarian, responsible to make sure the child stayed in line until they were older. You see the difference between that and just a teacher? The law, he says, has become our pedagogue, our disciplinarian, our guardian to Christ until the age of adulthood comes, until the, the full grownness comes to Christ so that we might be justified by faith. The law continued to tell the Jews, you're wrong, you're wrong, you're failing, you're disobeying, you're not pleasing the Lord, you're in sin, you're a sinner, you need forgiveness, so that they would cry out 
and believe in the Messiah so they could be declared righteous by their faith. That was the law, increasing their sin and revealing their sin and punishing their sin so they would come to Christ. See how Paul is, this is Paul is telling us why in history God gave the law to the Jews. But now that faith has come, now that Christ has come, the object of the faith, we Jews are no longer under the pedagogue. Let that sink in. We Jews. This is written in the first century. 1900 plus years ago. Paul is saying, some of you have asked me over and over again, are the Jews still under the law? Read this. Now that faith has come, we are no longer under the tutor or the pedagogue, the guardian. The custodian is dead. The guardian is dead. The Jews in Christ are full grown. For you, you Galatians, are all sons of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all who are baptized into Christ have clothed themselves or yourselves with Christ. There's neither Jew nor Greek. There's neither slave nor free man. There's neither male nor female. For you are all one in Christ. And if you belong to Christ, then you are Abraham's seeds, Abraham's descendants, heirs according to promise. The law did its job. It's done. And now it's about having faith in Jesus or not having faith in Jesus. Those are the two groups. Now, this next section, again, gets kind of thick, and there's some great stuff, but I'm going to move as quickly as I can uh, because I want to uh, I want to get to our main point. You see my temptation here to just unpack all of Galatians? <laughs> but I want, to, I want to head toward chapter 5 so we don't stay here too long. So uh, forgive me if I go a little faster than you would like, but let's catch the, at least the main points here. So continuing on now from where we left off into chapter four. Now I say, as, now I say, as long as the heir is a child, so he's using a, a metaphor, using an analogy based on what he's been saying. As long as the heir, the heir, in a, think of an estate, the the son who's the heir. As long as he's a child, he doesn't differ from a slave, although he owns everything. So you, you see the point? So go back to antiquity, go back to the patriarchal system and the way it was then. So if I am the, uh, the patriarch, I'm the, I'm the head, I'm the father, I'm the, I'm the, you know, the, uh, the estate head, I have a son and I have slaves. My son, when he's underage, is no different from the slave. My son uh, has to obey all the rules. In fact, there might be a slave who is over the son. The pedagogue would be a slave of my my household. And I might tell this guardian, you, I want you to discipline and care for my son. He's no different. The son is, has no rights and freedoms more than the slave does when he's under age. See that? But potentially, he has way more than the slave because he's the heir. So he owns everything in potential but he's underage. So he doesn't realize the benefits of being the heir of everything because he's underage. That's his point. So as long as the heir is a child, he doesn't differ at all from the slave, although he's the owner of everything. But he's under guardians and managers until the date set by the father. You see the parallel of what he just said? The Jews were under the tutor, under the pedagogue until faith came. Okay, so the Jews are under the owner or under the slaves and the guardians and managers until the date set by the father. 
so also we, Jews, while we were children under the law. We were held in bondage under the elemental things of the world. Very important to see this phrase. He's calling the law here the elemental things of the world. This word elemental, it's like our elementary school, the ABCs, the basics. The law were the basics, the foundational truths for the Jews. The ABCs, they were children. They had to learn reading, writing, arithmetic. See that? And they were held in bondage. They were enslaved to those things. But when the fullness of time came, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. Born like he was a slave too, like he was an an heir who was underage. So that he might redeem those who were under the law, free them from the law. So that we Jews might receive adoption as sons. As long as they're under the law, they're not adopted as sons. But now that he came and redeemed them, now the Jews can become sons. Because you are sons, you Galatians, God has set forth his spirit of his son into our hearts, we Jews, crying, Abba, Father. Very interesting what he's saying there. I don't have time, but it's fascinating. Think about it. You can, you can probably figure that out. Therefore, there you, you Galatians, not from a Jewish background, you are no longer a slave, but a son. Whoa, whoa wait, wait a minute. He hasn't talked about their slavery at all. He's been talking about the Jews' slavery. He says, now, you have received his spirit, or you are sons, rather. You are no longer a slave, but a son. You have now reached the sonship status. And if you're a son, you're an heir through God. So what are you talking about, Paul? What about Galatians? What what slavery were they under if they weren't a Jew? Verse 8. However, at that time, when you did not know God, you were slaves to those which by nature are no gods. So you see the contrast. The Jews were enslaved to the law as sons, but they were under the guardian, so they they didn't enjoy the benefits of being sons. And these Galatians, who were pagans, were slaves to those gods that they served. Those gods which by nature are not gods, but they thought they were. They, they, they worshipped them as gods, and they were enslaved to sin through their idolatry. See that? Two different slaveries. One slavery is the Jew under the law. They were enslaved to sin and the master of the law who is condemning them. The Gentiles were enslaved to their idols. But now you have come to know God, or rather to be known by God. How is it that you turn back again to the weak and worthless elemental things to which you desire to be enslaved all over again? What did he call the elemental things? The law. We Jews, back in verse 3, we Jews, we, while we were children, were in bondage under the elemental things of the world. The law, verse 4, you Galatians have been freed from slavery to idols, and now you are going to be circumcised and place yourself under the law of Moses 
and become a slave all over again to the elemental things? Why would you do that? You observe days and months and seasons and years, Sabbath days, festival days, all the things the law requires. Why would you do that? Listen to this, verse 11. Just the emotion dripping from this. I fear for you that perhaps I've labored over you in vain. I came and I preached the gospel to you and I called you to faith in Jesus where you can be forgiven of your sins. You've witnessed the power of the spirit. You have the hope of eternal life. All these things. I showed you the way of freedom from slavery where you're not bound to sin. You're not bound to those things. And now these guys come along and they want to circumcise you and they want to put you under the law of Moses and make you a slave again. And all of my work in your midst may have all been worthless because I freed you from one thing or God did it, right? But I let, I'm the one who introduced you to the Lord and you've been freed from one master and now you're going to go submit yourself to another master. Why would you do that? Why would you do that? You see where he's going with this in chapter five. Christ has called you to freedom. Right? Let me show you that again. You were called to freedom, brothers. Do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh. Circumcision law. All right, I see a couple of, or at least one comment here. Let me see what Brother Lon says. Did those Jews who lived under the law before Christ miss the message of faith and thereby the opportunity to eternal life? So Jews who lived under the law before Christ, uh, did they miss the message of faith? Well, most of them did. Most of them did. The writer of Hebrews says this, that uh, they heard, they knew the seed was coming and they had the, the examples of the, uh, the sacrifices over and over and over again. And those were all intended to show them how they could be justified as they put their hope in the, in the co- coming one, the Redeemer. But the vast majority of the Jews did not believe, and, and the writer of Hebrews tells us that, that most of them perished. Um, so yeah, the vast majority of Jews who have ever lived, including the vast majority of Jews before Jesus uh, came, uh, they died in unbelief and they will perish and will not live eternally. There are very few. Remember, um, th- throughout the prophets and Paul, uh, many in the New Testament repeatedly use this word remnant. Remnant. Think about a remnant of carpet, right? You've got a big, big piece of carpet, and then you get a remnant of it, a little little piece to kind of go home and compare and see if it's going to be a good match for your paint on your walls, that kind of thing. Remnant is just a little piece of the, of the huge carpet. That's the word that is used. There are a few Jews in all of history who believed in the promise of the coming seed. The rest of the, uh, the piece of carpet all perished. It's very, very sobering and very sad. Mark says, Galatians 5.13 is the theme verse of our church, Freedom Bible Fellowship, Church of Dauphin, Pennsylvania. Thank you for your teaching. Good. I hope, you, uh, hope you're teaching them well what that freedom is. It's freedom from slavery to sin, right? So don't subject yourself to the law of Moses or to idolatry. You are a slave of Christ. Serve him. Yeah, that's great. All right. So uh, 
Time is up. We'll call it a day there. Uh, tomorrow, we'll uh, work through a little bit more of Chapter 4 and then begin our trek through in detail Chapter 5 so that we can see that Chapter 5 is not talking about uh, our own nature, this battle within us, but it's the two realms, the law of Moses or the realm of the Spirit. Have a great Thursday. See you tomorrow. God bless.